Hello, welcome everyone. Uh, we're getting started here for the evening sermon for Covenant Family Church. Uh, we're doing this every evening at 7 p.m., streaming live on YouTube. And you can, of course, listen to it uh, recorded later as well. But let's get started. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Blessed are you, O God, creator of all, a wise and just Lord and our Lord. We thank you for being faithful throughout all ages, being steadfast in your mercy towards your people, for fulfilling your promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and through all the saints that you have visited and redeemed your people through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and have brought forth for us a King and Redeemer to save us from our enemies, from the evil one, from our own sins which condemned us, that we might worship you and serve you all our days in righteousness and holiness without fear of any of our enemies, of any of the condemnation that we would have brought upon ourselves. We thank you for this mercy and pray that you would bless us at this time, that you would help us to understand your word, that we might be built up and encouraged in the comfort of our holy faith and your revealed will in your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today we're going to um, start a, a, a very short series, if you will. Uh, we had finished going through Habakkuk. I preached uh, four sermons on Habakkuk. Uh, and uh, since we finished that, because we're coming up to Christmas, I'm going to be focus today on the Abrahamic covenant, the covenant that God made with Abraham, and then next week look at the prophecy that Jude, that Jacob made concerning Judah, particularly about a king who would rise from Judah, that we know later of King David, but then of course his son, um, the Lord Jesus Christ, his descendant. So we're going to look at two messianic promises or covenants that were fulfilled particularly in Christ as we come to uh, Christmas, thinking of the incarnation of our Lord and the expectation that the people had based on the promises that God had made. God uh, had predicted the Messiah, the anointed one who would save his people, but not only he had, had he predicted uh, it, that it was going to happen, but he had promised him, that he had promised to send a redeemer, and that God's people received the benefits of redemption, the benefits of this redeemer, by faith in that promise from the very beginning throughout all ages of the church that faith in this promise has been what has united god's people and has brought them into possession of salvation so we're going to look um, primarily at genesis 12 1 through 3 and a few verses in chapter 22 so if you have your bibles you can turn with me to cha uh, genesis chapter 2 sorry 12 Chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. There it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Well, 
Abraham goes through a lot, and that promise is repeated several times. But you can turn with me then to Genesis 22, near the end of Abraham's story. 22, verse 15. Let's start in verse 15. 22:15. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven, and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this, and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and the sand that is on the seashore, and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. This is the word of the Lord. So these promises come into a particular context. In the book of Genesis, much has already happened in the story. Uh, In the narrative of earth history, uh, there was the creation of man in the garden, uh, the covenant of works, the arrangement, in other words, that God had made with man, giving him life but conditioned on perfect obedience that was broken by Adam and uh, they fell from that state, exiled from the garden, and laid uh, a curse was laid upon them. Yet, even there in chapter 3, a promise was made that through the offspring of the woman, the ser- Satan's head, the serpent's head, would be bruised or crushed. And so there was this hope that God would send salvation. Uh, he would separate his people from the serpent, creating enmity between them. Well, as the story goes on, uh, mankind, we see his sin devolve into worse and worse forms with Cain and then with the world before the flood. We see God's uh, renewing his covenant here with Noah, who believed God, who trusted him, built an ark, was saved. God made his covenant with Abraham, with Noah. But likewise, uh, some people go astray and continue in wickedness. And that culminates again at the Tower of Babel as the nations of the uni- earth unite in defiance of God to build a name for themselves and God scatters them. And it's in that context that we come to Abraham. The nations of the earth have been scattered, dispersed into many nations, have revolted against God, have been cursed by God. Uh, They are dying. Uh, The genealogies drive home that point. He died, he died, he died, he returned to dust. And so the, pro- the the question is, what is God going to do? How is he going to um, fix this problem? How, particularly the problem of the nations. And so the story then goes from the story of the nations down to the story of this one man, Abraham, and his household. And that God is promising to Abraham that through him and his offspring, blessings shall come again to all of these nations that um, that had just been described. And then the table of nations in Genesis 10, uh, the Tower of Babel. So Genesis 12 to 22 tells the story of Abraham, and particularly God's promises to him and Abraham's faith in those promises and the testing of Abraham's faith, uh, first through delay, uh, through different challenges. Those tests culminated in God's command for him to sacrifice his son, who had finally been born. Now he was to kill him. Uh, And yet, uh, God stopped him from doing so and uh, confirmed that promise that Abraham's faith had been tested, 
that he indeed believed God as he demonstrated by his works. Um, and so this, this would take place, and through Isaac, um, this offspring would continue. Now, this is picked up in the New Testament, and in particular, the Lord Jesus Christ is identified as the offspring of Abraham. Um, in Matthew 1, for example, he doesn't trace Jesus' geneal genealogy all the way back to Adam, as Luke does, but he goes to Abraham and particularly identifies him as the son of Abraham and the son of David. And we'll get to David next week, but uh, it was important to note that he was the son of Abraham, an heir to Abraham. And Paul in Galatians makes this uh, particularly strong, this point uh, very clear. <clears throat> in Galatians 3, uh, he is describing how God's promise had been extended to the Gentiles, even as he had promised to Abraham that in you all the nations of the earth would be blessed, and that Jesus had brought that about as the offspring of Abraham. So, <clears throat> in, Gen in Galatians 3, first it describes these promises to Abraham as the gospel, and scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. In you all the nations shall be blessed. That's the gospel. In how, how is that the gospel? Well, through Abraham, and particularly we're going to see through his offspring, through Jesus, all the nations would be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. The same blessing that was upon Abraham is being shed upon all the nations in this offspring. In verse 14, it says <clears throat> that it is in Christ Jesus that the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. And then verse 16 goes on to say that these promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. So Jesus Christ, uh, preeminently and centrally, is this offspring of Abraham, in whom all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And they would be blessed by becoming incorporated into this offspring, that the Abraham's offspring is, are, is Jesus and all those who are connected to him. And that is Paul's point at the end of this chapter. If you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. If you believe in Christ, if you have been baptized into Christ, if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs to all those promises that are made to Abraham. So um, Jesus fulfills these promises, establishes them, <coughs> and all of his people share in them. <coughs> So what I thought we would do is break down these promises that are made uh, into four basic promises, um, borrowing this, this scheme uh, from Joe Moorcraft in his teaching on uh, the covenants, covenant theology. But I think it's a helpful scheme, a helpful uh, way of breaking these promises down, and that there are four major promises that God makes with Abraham, that he then secures through Jesus Christ and then are possessed by all those who are in Christ. So the first one is the promise of communion with God. 
God promises to be Abraham's God. This is said in chapter 17. Um, it's said even from the beginning in chapter 12 that I will bless you. That I will bless your friends and curse your enemies. In other words, God's going to be loyal to Abraham. Um, as James says, Abraham was called a friend of God. Uh, God is making an alliance here with Abraham to be his God, and Abraham would be his. Consider that, particularly in the context of the fact that God had become an enemy of people, that people had become God's enemy. But now God makes peace with Abraham and will make peace with all the nations through Abraham's offspring. A, instead of curse, there will be blessing. Abraham believed God, believed this promise, and was accounted righteous. It says that in chapter 15. So that he is declared righteous, not on the basis of his works, but through faith in this promise. This promise about what is what God is going to do through his offspring. So even in the Old Testament, the Old Testament saints received the benefits of redemption, including forgiveness of sins, through faith in the Messiah. Because Jesus answered the question that, you know, how can God and sinful man walk together? How can what was lost in Eden be regained? And it's by God's gracious promise, which would be fulfilled through Abraham's offspring. So have faith in God. Even as Abraham had faith, so we today are called to have faith. God is faithful and he is loyal to his people, to those who believe in him. So if he is your God, he is your mighty refuge, your defender, even as he was for Abraham. And make use of this promise, this promise of communion with God, that he would be your God, to call upon God, to make use of this, uh, just as a, a child should should make use of the fact that he has parents that he can ask questions and can talk to and can ask for help from. So we should uh, use uh, our position. Uh, we should make good use uh, of it to have fellowship with God, to call upon him, to ask for what he has promised, uh, and as his people to live like it. So Jesus came as the offspring of Abraham to secure the basis for this union. He atoned for the violation of the covenant of works, uh, what we had done in Adam, took away the enmity between God and man, and so that in him, in Abraham's offspring, this one who was promised through Jesus Christ, all the nations would be blessed. The blessing of God would come upon the Gentiles through Abraham's offspring. That was the expectation waiting for him and the reality that we see before us today. The second promise is the promise of offspring. Well, we've already talked about offspring somewhat, but uh, offspring being the means that all of these promises are brought about by. But the, the fact of offspring was one of the promises of a, this covenant with Abraham. That he would be a father of many nations. That said in chapter 17, that he wouldn't just be the father of one nation, but a multitude of nations that he would be a father of. Um, verse uh, Chapter 22 describes this multitude of nations as a great nation. Chapter 15 and 22 says that the offspring of Abraham would be like the stars of the heavens. And back then you could see more stars than most of us can see today. Uh, light pollution and all of that. This is a tremendous promise. Um, or like the sand on the seashore. That's 
I don't know if you've tried counting, but that is innumerable amounts. And this offspring would be an instrument by which God's blessing would come to the nations. Now, this offspring is, is manifold. You can think of it on multiple levels, although they're all one, they're all unified. Right away, you would think of this offspring as Abraham's descendants. Literally, he wanted a child, and God promised him one, Isaac. So this offspring was Abraham's descendants. Now, it was conditioned on faith. Um, not all of Abraham's descendants walked with faith, and some of them were cut off from his people and from the promises. But it was his descendants conditioned on faith to share the faith of Abraham. Of course, though, this offspring, as Galatians points out, particularly points to one who would embody this people as the head of this people, um, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. This offspring today, then, like it was in Abraham's day, are all those who share the faith of Abraham, the, sh the faith in Christ that he had. He is the father of all who believe. We can all sing, Father Abraham had many sons. I am one of them, and so are you. We are all children of Abraham. He is our father. We, meaning all those who believe in Jesus Christ. All, only those who believe in Jesus Christ in, in this covenantal sense are children of Abraham, and all of those who share that faith. And he is the father of all who believe. And as those who receive the promises given to Abraham, which includes, I will be your God and the God of your children after you, therefore also the children of all believers are also this promised seed of Abraham. Again, just as in Abraham's day, that's conditioned on them sharing the faith of our father Abraham. So this seed, this offspring, uh, even in Genesis, it's described as multinational, not just the Jews, many nations. This offspring would grow and become innumerable, not a small and insignificant band of a chosen few amidst a, a sea of nations. Um, this offspring would expand by birth, although mere birth was not sufficient, and others can be grafted in. It, this offspring would be a, a means by which blessing would come upon a world cursed by sin. Just as Joy to the World says, Jesus comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. So, so Jesus, as the offspring of Abraham, comes to restore God's blessing to sinners. And the church, as his offspring, his seed, the church is united in the Old Testament and in the New Testament by faith in the promise of God concerning Abraham's offspring. The church is the offspring of Abraham. In the Old Testament, New Testament, one family that shares one faith. And this faith is in one promise, one hope, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. This should be a motivation for evangelism, for hopeful evangelism, that this offspring will continue to grow. That It would be multinational throughout all the worlds, that uh, it would be a innumerable people, a great people, that many will be grafted into the family of Abraham. It was a hard probably for Abraham to believe that he didn't even have one child when he first received these promises. All the nations through his offspring, that he would be the father of many nations, and, and yet we have a hard time sometimes believing that today. We think that things are just going to decline and um, more and more people walk away from the faith. 
but we can be hopeful. We can share the faith of Abraham. This should also motivate faithful child training that just as God intended to continue his growing his offspring, not only by spreading it to people who hadn't heard of it yet, but also by raising up a godly seed, a godly offspring, to disciple your children in the ways of the covenant that they might share along with you the faith of our father Abraham. The third promise that was given to Abraham is the promise of land. So we have communion with God, we have offspring, which is essentially Christ in his church, if we want to think of it that way, uh, summarizing it. The third one is the promise of land. This land, Abraham was told to leave his country and to go to a land that God would show him. From the very beginning, there was this promise of land. It's said again in chapter 15, um, this land that God would give him. It would be a place to dwell with God, a place to exercise godly dominion on the earth. Uh, his inheritance. Now, Abraham didn't receive much of this land. He held to that by faith. But in time, as promised, his descendants would be given Israel. Yet even Abraham knew that more was promised. The promises that he received, after all, were worldwide, a multitude of nations. And what land would they receive? And so Romans 4.13 says, for the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. The whole world was promised. And this makes a lot of sense because we find throughout the Bible, particularly in things like Psalm 2, where Jesus, the offspring of Abraham, is said to inherit the earth. That Jesus would inherit the land, all of it, the whole thing that all the nations would be his heritage, that God would give them to the Lord Christ, that all authority on heaven and earth would be his, and that the whole earth would be his. It would not be lost and thrown into the dumpster, but he would come to save the world and to have it all. Um, he would inherit the land. Israel was a foretaste, um, but it was just the beginning, the earth more and more will be peopled by Christ's people, becoming a place to dwell with God and a place to exercise godly dominion on the earth. This promise will come to complete fulfillment in the new heavens and the new earth, where righteousness dwells, where heaven has fully come to earth and the saints inherit the kingdom. And to that we look forward to uh, with hope. And so this promise of land is, is very relevant. It has very little to do with the land of Palestine today, but it has very much to do with the future and how we live today, how we treat the land, how we um, look to the expansion of Christ's kingdom, and particularly our future hope for eternity. This should motivate you to extend the dominion of Christ through evangelism, sharing the gospel, explaining it, uh, defending it, uh, supporting missions and missionaries to, sh to indeed bring this gospel throughout the earth, to raise up a godly seed, to grow the church and the kingdom that way, to people the earth with godly seed, which God desires from married couples. It should give us hope and encouragement to do this work. It should also motivate you to take godly dominion of the earth and to dwell with God there. Um, that's uh, what we lost in Adam. God actually gave back to Adam. You shall continue to work the earth um, and 
particularly as God's people, to do so knowing that it's our Father that we are serving. And here in Abraham, that land is going to be restored. We pray that God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, that we might serve him even here. We also look to the full inheritance that we will receive at the end, the consummated kingdom of God, the fulfillment of Edom as the heavenly Jerusalem comes to earth in its consummate form, all evil and sin done away with, uh, that through the power of Christ that we would indeed receive and inherit the earth, that the meek would inherit the earth even as God had promised. So we will have a share in that kingdom. And this will be brought about through the offspring of Abraham, through Jesus. The fourth promise is the promise of worldwide blessing. We've seen this already a little bit, but this promise of success, this promise of victory, uh, and a worldwide blessing. For after all, it was in him that all the nations would be blessed. At the very beginning, Abram is chosen that he would be a blessing and that in him all the families of the earth would be blessed. And that's repeated in chapter 22, where in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And in fact, your offspring shall possess possess the gate of his enemies. It shall be an abundant offspring, should fill the earth, kind of be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Same great uh, creation mandate theme being repeated in God's covenant of grace. That they would indeed have victory over the enemy. It's not just that they grow, but that evil also grows so that it's you know, still a minority, even though it grows over time because the population grows. That's not what he's talking about, some of what he talks about, but it also actually starts to cover the earth. It actually starts to take away and plunder Satan's kingdom. And actually, that Abraham's offspring would possess the gates of his enemies, uh, that there would be victory of one over the other, and that the knowledge, the glory of God would cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Uh, After all, if if Abraham, and applying this to Jesus, his offspring, if God would bless his friends and curse his enemies, um, that how could he lose? Um, and This is applied to Christ and by extension his church. Those who persecute the church, Jesus will defend his church. And uh, he will see to it that those who, do, do, who bless him his friends will be saved and blessed. And so the cause of Christ will advance. This is why there was an expectation that the Messiah would indeed uh, bless the Gentiles. You see Simeon, the, the old man at the temple where Jesus as an infant is brought, and he says that this baby, this child, will be a light for revelation to the Gentiles, a light to the nations, revealing the truth to them so that they might rejoice and inherit salvation. The Abrahamic covenant is the basis for the Great Commission. Uh, Jesus sent out his disciples to make all the nations his disciples, because God had already promised that he would bless the nations through 
the Lord Jesus Christ and now making them his disciples. It also gives us the confidence that this commission will be successful. Not only did he send the disciples out to do this, but they'll, they and the church following them will actually carry it out. We are moving to the fulfillment of this promise in this age. So move, so go, make disciples of all the nations. Uh, It is not a futile and vain effort, but it is an effort that needs to be done as Abraham's offspring is Jesus primarily, but by extension, his people who are the ones carrying this out on the ground by the power of Christ with the ordinances he has given us. But we are agents in this, carrying out to be a blessing to all the nations. The disciples themselves are also called a light to the nations because they have the light of the nations. They have Jesus Christ in the gospel that they preach. And so not the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. In fact, Christ and his church shall possess the gates of his enemies. The world blessed through Christ. That is the vision the prophets proclaimed on the basis of these promises given to Abraham. May God hasten the time. May he empower his ordinances of, of preaching, of sacraments, of prayer. May God stir up his people to pray fervently for this, that the gospel indeed might bear abundant fruit and the world be blessed through Christ. Uh, Joe Moorcraft, uh, commenting on this passage, has this to say. He says, The idea that the future is bleak for the church and that life is growing worse and worse until Christ must come a second time to rescue his downtrodden minority, uh, does uh, to rescue a downtrodden minority, does not fit with the promised hope of the Abrahamic covenant that in the seed, i.e. Christ and his church, all the world's families will experience the saving power of salvation until the number of Christians is greater than the number of stars in the sky or the amount of sand on the beach. So this gives us great hope, confidence. There have been many harder times in earth to trust this promise. It is not saying that everything today is rosy and good. This is a promise that is being worked out, but is not completely fulfilled yet. But as those who are the offspring of Abraham by faith in Christ, that we have a part now to play in being a blessing to the nations and sharing Christ with all by ourselves receiving this salvation and enjoying it and making use of it, as I said. In other words, uh, participating in this fellowship with God. And to raise up our children, to raise up a godly seed, to carry this on into the future, to equip them to carry out this mission, to trust the promises of God concerning the offspring of Abraham. Now this covenant that was made with Abraham, it was received by faith. Abraham believed God. That was key. The children of Abraham who did not share his faith were cut off. Uh, Ishmael was sent away. Um, Others later on in the history of Israel, if they did not trust in the Messiah, if they did not put the door above their mantelpiece or their doorposts at Passover, if they rejected the God of Israel and went after other gods, they would be cut off. They would not inherit the promises. It was always by faith. And the Gentiles who shared this faith were grafted in, even in old times with Rahab and others, and especially once Christ came, accomplished redemption, sent the disciples out, the nations are being brought in. And they share in the blessing of Abraham through faith in his promised offspring, 
the Lord Jesus Christ. So receive these promises then in Christ uh, and do so today. Let us pray. Dear Father, we thank you for the mercy that you have shown in sending your son, your son, to be the son of Abraham, to be the one whom you had promised to save us, to restore blessing where once was curse, a curse which was justly provoked uh, by our sins, that you have lifted it through your son, Jesus, and brought us into blessing that we might walk with you as friends, as your covenant people, those who uh, have a a league, an alliance, a, a covenant with you. We pray that you would help us and empower us to pursue this task of being a blessing to the nations, to our neighbors, to our community, to raise up a godly offspring, uh, that your church might be filled and abundant like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. We pray that you would prosper, Jesus, that you would indeed uh, defeat his enemies, that you would bless those who trust in him. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.